0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Spark Hub podcast. The category today is empathy, and I'll open with a quote, which is, you can only understand people if you feel them in yourself. And that was said by the famous author John Steinbeck. So today's interviewee is uh, Joe Coelho, who um, actually was interviewed by the Empathy Labs. I, I teamed up with them and went to help them out. They were holding an event uh, t- uh, about empathy, and of course, Empathy Labs sort of speaks for itself. They spend, uh, they're a charity that spend a lot of time focusing on empathy and developing um, empathy within children for payoff into adulthood. I think it's uh, crucial to be empathetic in today's day and age, and in certain countries, they're actually te- teaching it as a core topic and a core subject. To be empathetic with other human beings, especially, is, is a superpower that if developed young can, can pay off big time. Um, just as an anecdote, I run businesses and I'm constantly interviewing people and I find the people that I want to bring into a business or want to uh, bring into an operation, the ones that overindex on empathy and emotional intelligence are, I feel, the ones that go far because they can have a huge scope in what they do. And certainly to get to that level of scope and understanding there is life experience, but if, if empathy can be taught from a young age, it is certainly um, a a skill that will pay dividends big time. So this interview with Joe is conducted by someone from the Empathy Labs. You'll hear a bit of a Empathy Labs plug at the end, um, as you would expect, and uh, just a small production note. There is some, uh, the the sound of the interviewee, the person interviewing is is kind of low because they're speaking off camera. There is a video form of this uh, that was how it was intended to be shot. So in the show notes below, I put links to that video as well as any other links that are relevant Hi, to this discussion. Hello. <laughs> so, so enjoy um, this discussion with Joe
1: And uh, we've been shouting um, about empathy all day uh, in the way of trying to make the world a better place. Um, I wonder if you could mind telling us uh, what do you think is the importance of empathy for young children? Maybe if you could just repeat that last bit back to me. OK. So the importance of empathy for young children. Yeah.
2: Uh, I think the importance uh, for, of empathy for young children is that it helps create the, the adults of tomorrow. Uh, as cheesy as that might sound, we're creating, not creating, but we're helping to nurture the next generation and by teaching them young that they should have concern for others for other people in different situations and for people in their, as well as people in their situations. We're helping them to grow up to be well-rounded individuals that will respect the wider community.
1: Um, And we've been asking people um, to recommend their favourite empathy-boosting books today. Twitter's gone completely mad with trending number one for most of the day. And what do you think it is about reading that helps children develop their empathy?
2: I think reading helps children develop their empathy skills because it really is a a slice out of time. It's an opportunity for anyone to enter into another world where they can really imagine and take part in a different life. And so if they're reading about people like themselves or different from themselves, they inhabit their shoes. And so you can't help. But feel empathetic towards those characters. So I think reading holds a very special place, more so even than kind of computer games or uh, or films or TV, all of which have their place. But reading is kind of one of the the rare mediums that enables us to inhabit our imagination. And so
1: authors quite often talk about their characters as being key to eliciting creating some sort of connection with the reader. But I'm really interested in um, how you set about doing that in a poem, which may not have a character in it. So, quite often when I've read a poem, I'm left with a particular feeling or mood. And I'm just wondering, what is it that you are doing to try and engender that in me, the reader? Are you using, well, are you using maybe, I don't know, different words or images or juxtaposition of different words? Uh-huh. What is it that you do? Can you, can you describe it, Ian?
2: Well, um, I kind of inject empathy into poetry by um, starting first and foremost with, with myself and what I've experienced and with my memory and with my experiences, because I find by grind, uh, grinding, grounding writing in a, an element of truth in a lived experience, uh, then you automatically make the writing uh, stronger. You give it more context, you give it more colour, more texture, Um, and hopefully that translates to the readers. They they recognise that there is truth in what it is that you're writing, be it characters, be it a line of poetry, be it a description, and so are able to more easily enter into the world that you're offering them.
1: Brilliant. I really felt that your poems in Overheard and in Tower Block, they did seem to draw an awful lot on the personal experience. Would you say that's, that
2: is, is what helped yeah. um, the connection with the reader there? Um, my, my poems in Overheard and in Tower Block definitely uh, started from a place of truth and were hugely inspired by my own upbringing. It's not exactly my upbringing, but I wanted to write something personal that I knew about, but then to broaden it so that it could appeal to as wide an audience as possible. I'd heard a statistic that over 50% of families are what you would call kind of non-traditional, they're, they're not 2.4 kids, you know, mum, dad, brother, sister. Um, and I felt, felt it was a shame that so many families don't get seen in books, in the media, and so wanted to write about a family going through difficult times, about a family that is breaking up. but showing that whole process so we follow a little boy growing up and becoming a man to to show young people that yeah we bad times difficult times challenging times do occur but you come out the other side I think it's so important to learn that resilience through books through reading and in my case through poetry
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, I've had lots of experiences where young people have come up to me after a reading of some of my poems from overheard in a tower block and have kind of just volunteered that they live in a single parent family and it's just been very matter of fact and that's been really lovely because it's just been a moment of of recognition um of of the, the a bunch of other kids and teachers just recognising oh we've got a shared experience um, and I wish I had that when I was a kid because when I was a kid my family situation being in a, in a single parent family was a source of shame and embarrassment uh, whereas what I hope I, or what I try to do for my work is, is just let young people know that there are lots of different families and that it doesn't have to be a source of shame it's just, it's just fact it's just life and that doesn't mean that there's not love in different types of families.
1: So you are in the midst of your massive library marathon I cannot believe how many (laughs) libraries you are intending to visit. I've looked at them and how is this (laughs) ever going to do this? How important
2: was your local library to you when you were growing up? Um, My uh, local library was hugely important to me when growing up. I was very lucky in that we always lived near a library so I grew up in Roehampton and in Roehampton there was a library sort of down the road that my mum would take me to on a regular basis. But then when we moved again to Wandsworth there was a library next door and it was literally a stone's throw away so I could go and study, uh, do my homework, I'd go in there with friends. We sometimes probably would mess about and got, got told off, quite rightly so. But the library became an extension of our world um, so we would play out. Uh, we would, you know, go and sort of play run-outs and kind of games with, various games with tennis balls and things. Um, but the library became part of our world somewhere where we could go and we could sit down and talk and discuss and find books and find common interests. So the library was hugely important to me. My library actually was doing a summer reading scheme, even though this was many, many years ago. Um, but they were doing their own sort of independent summer reading scheme and that got me reading. I remember getting my tokens and moving them along the board and I think I read about six Roald Dahl books over six weeks. I was extremely proud. Um, so th- my library was hugely important.
1: Well we, we absolutely love the fact that lots of libraries are supporting um, the work of Empathy Lab and Empathy Day. Mm. Have you come across any um, Empathy Lab displays or Empathy Day displays as you've been touring
2: around? Yeah. So um, as I've been touring around libraries for my library marathon when I'm trying to join 207 libraries across the UK. I've been very lucky and just the other day um, I came across a library, this was Hull Central Library, I was running in to join just before the library closed and there were librarians in the children's section putting up Empathy Day posters. Um, And they were putting up the posters with the Empathy uh, Day list of books to read for empathy. And so I shouted at them, stop, 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 can I get a a photo of you putting up the posters? And then had to sort of quietly describe who I was (laughs) and and why I was calling at them from across uh, the library hall. But yeah, I managed to get posters of them, actually stapling the posters up, uh, uh, pictures of them stapling the posters up, which was lovely because it sort of tied everything in together. I want to visit a library and every library authority because of the vital and important work that libraries do. And libraries have featured heavily in, in my writing. And it was just so lovely to see those two things come together, to see the, the Empathy Day posters going up in a library I was joining. Um,
1: now, if all the world were, which is on our um, Read for Empathy 29, it, it's a, such a poignant study of loss, and I particularly like the way the illustrations work with the text. I mean, certainly your your line, you know, and then the little girl is looking at the empty chair, it's just heartbreaking. Did you have a, a lot of collaboration with the illustrator, Alison Colpoise, or does, does she just get the text to work with?
2: How, how does that work? Uh, the process for um, creating uh, If All the World Were uh, with Alison Colpoise um, was. Um, it wasn't we had kind of separate time with the editor because Alison lives in Australia so we only recently met to do um, a book event a couple of months ago but I had time with the editor kind of working purely on the text um, and then Alison had time with the editor kind of putting together the illustrations to go alongside the text Um, and that's often the way I've worked and it's kind of wonderful because then you start to see these pencil roughs kind of come out and you see these pictures develop and you see, most importantly, how the uh, illustrator um, and the editor are interpreting that text. I think lots of people get it in their heads that a uh, picture book is um, the, the author's vision. Um, um, which can be a, a sort of dangerous headspace to get into because a picture book is, is a collaboration in that you're, the writer often, it doesn't always, but often starts with the, with the text. Um, But then you're offering that text up and letting go of it so that an illustrator can respond and find their voice through illustrations to the story that that you've presented. Um,
1: So your own stories aside, have you you got a favourite empathy-boosting book you can share with
2: us? Or is that a tricky question to chuck at you? I think, uh, oh, there's so many. (laughs) I think my my favourite empathy-boosting book Oh, that's so hard. I think for picture books, it would be uh, Joy by Corinne Averis and uh, Isabel Folath, uh, which is a lovely kind of dive into it. uh, The empowerment of a a young girl who finds that she can make her grandmother feel better. And I think that is such an important message to give young children, the power they have to affect adults for the better. I think it was lovely and hugely empowering. Um, And I also love uh, uh, the, The Boy in the Tower. By Polly Ho Yen, which I think is a, a brilliant story um, uh, about a young boy caring for his mother who um, is unable to leave her home, but in the backdrop of kind of like these giant plants sort of taking over their, their estate and the world. Um, but it was a, a real kind of lovely and heart wrenching insight in, into many young people's lives who, who end up taking a caring role for, for an adult. So I thought that was a, a fascinating. Um, a fascinating read. I think Empathy Lab is a fantastic, long overdue idea because it gives young people the opportunity to discover worlds beyond their own. And this is, is not only beneficial to, uh, in terms of making them kind of uh, f- act kindly towards others, like that is a fantastic, wonderful thing that we should all be aiming for, but it's also brilliant. because it broadens their worlds. It enables them to find out about other people's lives, you know, to find out things that maybe they didn't know before, which is going to have a huge impact on their opportunities and the places they go, the people they talk to. Um, so I think Empty Lab is just fantastic in, in so many ways. I think we're only just scratching the surface of the impact that this is gonna have long-term.
0: Thanks for listening, hope you enjoyed the episode. Any links or references that we've made during this episode can be found in the show notes below this episode, whatever platform you're on, or you can head over to the hub itself on thesparkhub.com, all one word, thesparkhub.com.